Here we go in three, two, one. What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Sports Medicine Broadcast, a podcast to promote and improve your practice as an athletic trainer. Uh, about five years ago, I went to Guam and I tried to find a way to connect with athletic trainer there at Guam because I was like, this would be really cool to, to see and connect, but there just wasn't any easy way for me to connect or there wasn't anybody. And there's a lot of military people. And so there's, you know, people coming in and out and, you know, not real consistent presence of athletic trainers. Um, and so recently when Eric reached out and said, hey, the Asia Pacific Athletic Trainer Society would like to come on the podcast and, and talk about what we're doing. I was like, hey, this is really cool because I've talked with people before that um, there's just no connection. So I know Caleb Lott was one of the like founding members of APATS and he was on a long time ago because uh, he was listening when he was in the Shanghai American School in Hong Kong, I believe. Uh, I might have said that wrong, but it's been probably, I don't know, six years or so since Caleb's been on. Um, but Nan and Eric are here on the podcast to discuss their story, what it looks like in uh, Asia Pacific Athletic Trainer Society, and then also what the purpose and mission of the APETS is. So, Eric, thanks for reaching out. Nan, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Jeremy, for having us. This will be sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash APATS, so A-P-A-T-S, and again, their website is apats.org. Again, sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash APATS. All right, um, you guys were talking before about COVID, and Eric, you're working here in the United States now. Nan, you're from New Jersey, right? Um, you grew <laughs> up in New Jersey. You did internships and your, you know, your undergrad and graduate school and all that stuff here at different points across the United States. So tell me a little bit about that journey, but then what made the big jump from here to Hong Kong, working at the Canadian school in Hong Kong? Um, thanks, Jeremy. Yeah, so I actually was born in Hong Kong and then immigrated to the U.S. when I was really young. Um, New Jersey's pretty much been home and still home for me now. Um, and we were just talking about trying to, for me to actually hopefully get home this summer. Um, so I went to university undergrad um, at Kane University in New Jersey um, and then did my master's actually in Louisiana. Um, and when I was in Louisiana, I kind of got in touch with some people and um, Caleb at University of um, South Carolina, uh, yeah, Southern Carolina. Um, he was friends with someone I graduated from Kane University, and they talked about this internship um, that was in China through this um, company called Institute for Western Surgery. And so I got in touch with them, applied for the position, and went out to Guangzhou. Um, so I think a big part of it for me and the reason why I chose that route instead of maybe like staying here originally and I, and I was looking at like going back home to New Jersey and doing internships or even maybe staying in the South because um, I loved it. Um, but I think part of it was um, my parents actually. So my parents, um, I think just being the like they're very, uh, they're from Hong Kong, they're very Cantonese. Um, they didn't really understand what I did or what athletic training is. And so I think it really piqued their interest for me to go out to Guangzhou um, and um, work there. Um, after a year of the internship, I actually came back, worked in New Jersey in the collegiate level for a year. 
um, but I really missed the international life and the international circle. Um, and I thought it was like kind of meant to be that I should go back. And so um, I looked around and Hong Kong was kind of a great place because I felt like, oh, it's like kind of going back home and finding myself in a different way. Um, so that's what moved me out to Hong Kong. And, and I've, been, I've been here for like seven years. Um, this is going to be my eighth year. And, um, and I never thought I would be at a Canadian school, to be honest. Um, never really met too many Canadians until I started working at the school. Um, but it's been great. I'm so grateful for like being a part of meeting all these other athletic trainers who've come into China and met all these athletic trainers in Japan. Um, yeah, like I met Eric in China. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm just so grateful for the whole experience and all the people kind of like, I feel like helped me along the way too. All right. So long-term, do you feel like that's where you're going to be? You're going to work and live and retire there in Hong Kong as an athletic trainer? That's such a good question. I, th I think it's hard because we were just talking about like all, um, everything that's going on with COVID and Asia is probably a place where it's very difficult to travel. Um, and, you know, my family is still back home in New Jersey. And so um, usually we'd be lucky enough to be able to go home like once or twice a year. Um, and at the moment, I wouldn't be able to. So um, I'd be lucky to go home for one time a year just because there's either two week of hotel quarantine or three week hotel quarantine and loads of COVID tests. So um, I think the at the moment, um, I'm happy in Hong Kong and, and I love the experience. And I've spent so much time, I feel like, building the role um, at the Canadian International School. So they, when I first came out here, they didn't have an athletic training position. Um, I actually did a like an assistant AD position. Um, and then slowly kind of like during lunches, doing rehab with students. And then two years later, I got this closet. And um, three years later, I turned that closet into an AT room. A year later, I got an ice machine. So, you know, so I feel like um, I've been really well supported by the school and the organization and I'd love to stay. Um, but yeah, you just you just never know, you know, hopefully things kind of go back to normal. And if I'm able to be able to travel home and stuff like that, I could definitely see like Hong Kong is a great place to move out to. And, um, you know, I, I love being in Asia. And so that's been really nice too. So is your official title an athletic director or is it athletic trainer? So um, in the last four years, it's changed to certified athletic trainer. Um, I do also have another role as the health and safety officer. Um, and that I've been in that role for five years now. At first, I kind of like volunteered. Um, and then it became an official position. Um, and that was from me like sitting in the health and safety committee. Um, and now I run the committee. Um, I work with like all different managements of school, like the leadership, the head of school, and we look at policy and procedures. We do like monthly walk arounds of the school. Um, and it's been great because, you know, I incorporate like lightning policy and all these things that they would have never considered. Um, and, you know, we talk about it and they have questions and then I kind of slip in like, well, as an athletic trainer, um, you know, and kind of like really put my the profession in there as well. Um, so the school is really bought in and 
um, into the athletic training position. And also like I've gotten really close and been able to work with the nurses at our school and have a really good relationship with them too. Um, so yeah, so it's kind of, it's been really interesting having like the athletic training role and the health and safety. There's a lot that kind of crosses over and not all schools have a health and safety officer role. Um, but it's kind of like they found this role that would needed to be filled that, um, and they saw like a lot of the, um, things that athletic trainers do are more than capable of, you know, doing health and safety as well. So, yeah. All right. We got lots more to figure out there and talking about your whole experience over there in Hong Kong. Eric, you worked for Cirque du Soleil. You were in China, I think you said 12 years. Is that right? So tell us a little bit about your time and then your journey back to the United States working in Los Angeles College. Uh, <clears throat> so starting my career was pretty typical. You got, I went to undergrad at Fresno State out in California, where I'm originally from. Uh, <clears throat> originally from Los Angeles. Went to school, undergrad Fresno, got certified 2001. Uh, I came back to Southern California, started working at the junior college level and was concurrently going to graduate school, getting my degree in sports sports management at Long Beach State. So pretty typical, you know, ATC start. Um, so was in the junior college world for six, seven years. Uh, I was doing a bunch of side gigs in various things and like, entertainment you know so like film shoots and disney and cheerleading and you know a bunch of other things and then i had a friend who started working at cirque and, and by then i had been looking slowly <clears throat> to potentially you know still a young guy looking for other challenges and i knew i had a connection to china i did I, I do speak chinese and so i was looking like hey asia or something like that and i had a friend who worked at cirque at the time and she dropped me a message saying hey they're gonna start a resident show in macau so sent my application in and she, my friend walked me through the interview process. She was prompting me the whole, the whole time, right? You always got to have a inside track. And um, yeah, eventually got the job. So I always tell, yeah, I packed up perfectly good career and ran away with the circus and, and moved to China. Uh, I was in Macau, which is a big uh, casino town. Um, I was there for four years with their performance medicine department, opened the show and, and consequently, uh, Closed the show because didn't do very well, didn't sell many tickets, so, so they ended up canceling the show. This was also from 2008 2012 during the the big you know financial worldwide financial recession. Um, <clears throat> and then on my way out, our physician you know that we were using, or the, Dr. Brockwell out of Hong Kong, um, he had a connection at a city in Guangzhou in southern China, across the border a bit for a company called United Family. And they were a clinic at the time. They're, they're a large uh, private healthcare corporation in, in China. And they were looking <clears throat> to expand. They didn't have a rehab department. So we went back and forth for a little bit. I actually came home after the search job for three months, I think, give or take. And then it got the offer and turned right back around and moved back to China in the city in Guangzhou. And so there I was hired uh, to run their rehab or to build and run their, their rehab and physical therapy department and to work with the team to transition from a clinic to a hospital. And that was kind of the big reason why I took the job was, uh, you know, what, what athletic trainer who, who isn't a licensed PT in the U.S. ever gets the chance to, to help design and build 
a hospital. You know, that, that just doesn't happen. So <clears throat> was supposed to be there, I think, for like five years or something. But then, you know, delays in construction. I was there ultimately for eight, eight years, I think, seven and a half, eight years from 2012 until the end of 2019. After the hospital was built, I, I ran it for uh, a year just for a shakedown cruise. That was always kind of the plan. And then um, wrapped it up. And, you know, my wife and I actually met my wife out in Macau. And then so we, after that many years, we had kind of like, you know, it's time to move on. So resigned my position. It was all planned. And then went on a, went on vacation for a month through Asia and Europe. And then got back to Los Angeles just in time for a uh, lockdown, you know, and then been sitting around for a while and then finally got a job at LA City College a couple months ago. Yeah, so we were talking, you got back to Los Angeles in February and that's mm. pretty much like a month before the world shut down. So yeah, very interesting time. So well, again, it was interesting because my, my wife is actually Malaysian. So she got back or she came in about a month or so ahead of me. So she actually beat the um, uh, the non-citizen ban by like like two weeks because like after that like they were not allowing anybody in who wasn't a, a green card holder or or a U.S. citizen. And then because she came out on a tourist visa, and then so you know we decided to stay and whatever else. And, and I I came home and I beat the uh, the mandatory quarantine by like a week or something too for all everybody coming in. So we got to run around Southern California for a little bit. She got to see some more of the sites, the beaches and whatnot. And then, yeah, everybody got shut down. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, and let's go back to your job there um, as the athletic director and now the certified athletic trainer. So you said you felt supported by the school and you've met a lot of interesting people. What do you feel like has been the best and worst part of your experience there so far? What is the hardest part? Uh, and what has been the easiest part? Um, I definitely, I'll, I'll go with the hardest part. I think um, I think anyone from like the APATS community, um, they would agree is um, a huge part of communicating and educating. Um, it's, I think, so good that like athletic trainers are good at educating about like injuries. Um, but when we talk about like, educating our organization and how you can how we can be valued as part of the community um, building that role I think that's quite um, that's quite difficult um, uh, especially if you're somewhere where they've never had any athletic trainers at all and um, and some people don't even you know some some countries don't even you know really see maybe physios as much um especially like i'd say in in asian countries um we like kind of like a quick fix in a way so they love going to traditional chinese medicine getting some you know some some medicine on there some acupuncture um you know so i think like educating about like teaching them about the injury teaching them about the prevention you know teaching them all these things about themselves and how to get better and getting them to do it. And then showing our value and our role has probably been the most difficult part. It's probably like the educating part. Um, I think the most enjoyable part of um, me being here and as an athletic trainer is um, just 
how much I've seen Hong Kong change and um, how much I've been able to see like APATs have changed. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, um, you know, I actually started listening to this podcast from Caleb when he was on here years ago. Um, and Caleb is amazing. He, you know, he was kind of like, you, you know, great way to stay tuned, like figuring out what's going on back home, you know, um, listen to these different podcasts and like all these type of resources and tools that are out there now for athletic trainers. Um, and I think that, um, you know, in, in Hong Kong, I think the great part of seeing like how one, the city's changed, how the schools changed. And I'm like seeing now thinking back, like when I was coming onto this podcast, I was kind of like thinking back of what I've been doing the last couple of years and how the roles changed at the school. Um, so it's kind of seeing that like the athletic training role kind of evolve um, from not having a role to building athletic training and meeting like networking with other healthcare professionals in the city. Um, so that's been really amazing as well, because I actually uh, met two athletic trainers that are in Hong Kong that are actually not practicing as an AT. Um, but it's amazing that they understood exactly like this is, I went to the school in the US as well. I actually had this experience. Um, and so when we started talking, it felt like, oh, it's nice to have like a family here, like an athletic training family here. Um, and then it kind of grew, right? And we had Asia Pacific athletic trainers like in Bangkok in you know, China, Japan, Taiwan, you know, it's, an, it's amazing how Japan has uh, like their own athletic training association, you know, and, um, and so does Taiwan and like Hong Kong, we're so close, China, we're so close. Um, and it's amazing, like how we just meet athletic trainers in Asia. And it's, you know, kind of traveling a little bit working in certain, you know, um, tournaments or competitions, and you meet them. Um, yeah, and it, it's been nice to kind of see that how we're growing to um, in Asia. Uh, I'm, I'm not, I've never been to like Europe with traveling for sports and stuff like that, but I imagine that as well. Um, yeah. You said you're in Asia or in, in China and Hong Kong, you're so close as in like physically close to Taiwan and Japan or close to having your own organization. Ah, okay. Yeah. So Hong Kong, uh, what I love about Hong Kong, it's such like a hub for flying. So um, I'm only an hour flight to Taiwan. Um, so we're very close. Um, and um, to let's say like a flight to Japan and Korea or maybe like three hours, four hours, like that's a flight from Jersey to Florida or something, you know, less than that, I guess. Um, and then we're close to Thailand. We're also close to Singapore. Um, you know, so all these, um, like Vietnam, we're super close as well. Uh, well, I guess Vietnam's quite long, but just depends. Like we're Hong Kong, we're able to kind of fly to different places. And um, part of the um, sports competition, the league that my school is in, um, we travel to Singapore, Thailand, um, uh, whereas, oh, Vietnam, um, and we compete in schools, like usually weekend tournaments. At the moment, this year, it's not happening. Um, but from that, like, I've been able to meet some other athletic trainers, um, like a Japanese athletic trainer who's in Sh Singapore, 
Um, we have athletic trainers in Vietnam now. We have someone who's been as part of APATH that's in um, Bangkok. Um, so it's, it's great because you see one person, the school who's bringing their athletic trainer, the other international schools are going to be like, whoa, like, who's that? And where do we get that? Um, and, and we're very fortunate to work at an international school because a lot of times we're a little bit more, um, I guess, financially a little bit more comfortable because it's uh, international schools are a private school that are overseas. Um, so in a way, we have good resources sometimes to be able to maybe build that role. Um, so, yeah, so that's been really good there. Gotcha. All right. <clears throat> so you mentioned Caleb, and one of the things that he, I remember him saying was the the isolation, right? Because I think he said that he was one athletic trainer, and then there was one at the sister school on the other side of the city, and that was pretty much it. So, Eric, during your time in China, what were some of the ways that you used to stay connected? Obviously, Nan just talked about she listened to this podcast or other podcasts, but what were some of the ways yeah. that you connected with other athletic trainers? Um, so when I was at Cirque in Macau, uh, we, we didn't like, it was such a, you know, <clears throat> circuit, it, it was a very kind of high pressure situation. There's a lot of things going on. So we were in our own little world. Um, we we're going six days a week, sometimes seven, you know, and it was just, it was just crazy, but I was linked in through, through the company Cirque du Soleil, you know, they're all over the world. So Canada, U S so we had a lot of support <clears throat> just because of the structure of the employer. Outside wise, there, there wasn't a whole lot. Um, and then even if there was, you know, we were just busy all the time. When I moved to Guangzhou and took the hospital job, uh, things were much calmer. And then <clears throat> that's when um, the IWS program, as uh, Nan had referred to, I met a few of her predecessors. So I met Chandler. Um, and yeah, and then we just, you know, you just, people naturally start meeting each other and you have a little network going on social media or whatever. And then a couple of years later, uh, cause IDLBS program had, uh, schools all over the, all over China, the different international schools that they were working with. And then, uh, there was a guy named Jared who <clears throat> kind of finally brought it all together with Mueller, Mueller sports medicine. They were doing business in, in China out of Shanghai. And one day they decided, let's just bring everybody in and see what happens. So uh, they f everybody flew into Shanghai. Like mo we did Shanghai because most of the athletic trainers were in, in the Shanghai area. So there's a couple of us down south, a couple of us around. And then this was probably 2015 or 14, probably 15 ish, something like that. Mm -hmm. So we all got in met in Shanghai. There's like six or seven of us sitting around a conference table in, in a hotel going like, uh, all right, what do we do now? <laughs> so we identified the, the biggest need for all of us was obviously community support. And it was just logistical stuff. You know, people coming in and out didn't know like the simple things of like, how do you set up a bank account? How do you, how do you get a cell phone? How do you, you know, the ins and outs of things. Um, and then also for continuing education. Like it was so hard, you know, you think back to, to you know, 2012, 13, 14, there wasn't as much online stuff, you know, back then the online stuff was just here, read this journal article, do this little uh, quiz, you know, unless you want to shell out like, you know, several hundred dollars for a full sit down, you know, lecture series or something. So we decided, hey, 
let's get together and do some CEUs. So doing through the category D. And so the next year, it took us a couple of months and a year, we planned, we planned, we put on a conference and started in Shanghai. Um, and it was very basic and Mueller Sports Medicine, you know, came on as our founding sponsor, kicked us down some money. Um, and, and there we go. First year is at the Shanghai American School. I, for, I forget which one. No, wait, was that Shanghai? No, Concordia? I think it might have been Concordia. Yeah, that's where Jared was. That's right. Jared ran. So it was at Concordia. And then there was eight or nine of us gotten together and it was a, it was a fun little conference, you know, for the weekend, everybody came in, had some good times. And then the next year and the next year we did, I think three or four of them live in person before COVID hit. And it was amazing because every year, like there was growth, like there was more people, there was, there was honestly better quality content, you know, there was more content, you know, everything just kind of got more refined and I really have to, kudos, you know, to the, to the guys and guys and gals in, in Shanghai who are running the, the, the conference and it just got better and better every year. And uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was, it was quite surprising actually. But if you look at our, our pictures, you know, started with six or seven of us sitting around the table. And then by the last year before COVID started, I mean, there, we started having um, people reaching out to us. Uh, Lebanon Valley College out in Pennsylvania came out. They brought students, you know, because they were their teachers were doing something in China. Uh, we had brought Scott Saylor out at the time as as a speaker. You know, he's uh, being Fresno alumni. He I was able to to swing him out there for a little bit after he finished up his his uh, his job as NATA president. Um, it was great. We had like, geez, like. 30 people, I think 30 attendees. You start at six and had like 30, 30 some odd attendees um, by, by our last in-person session. So there was just a lot of growth and we started having, you know, meeting people and, uh, you know, we had Chinese nationals too. Not everybody was, was American. We had some uh, Japanese nationals, Chinese nationals. Um, and it was, it was really cool to see the growth and then just the network. There was also the WFAT conference that was in Japan. Um, I think uh, this year they're in Canada, but um, when they were in Japan, a lot of us actually like who's in Asia traveled to Japan. And so um, we were just amazed at seeing all the Japanese athletic trainers there. Um, and we were able to connect with some people like new people that we've never met before. Um, so it, it was really exciting. I felt like that was another step for us to grow. Um, and we, we want to still like connect, you know, like, um, I feel like Taiwan is maybe somewhere that like, there are lots of athletic trainers there cause they have their own curriculum and education. And, um, we'd love to like, um, and, and Caleb's actually in Taiwan now. Um, and so, you know, we're hoping to be able to connect with more athletic trainers through there. And, um, I'm sure there's more athletic trainers that are coming into China at the moment. Um, you know, I'm sure a lot of athletic trainers will have some experience being in China for the Winter Olympics that are coming up. Um, so, yeah, it would be nice to to touch base and see where everyone is. So, connection <clears throat> community was what Eric said was one of the the primary focuses of the starting of APATS. What do you feel like are the goals or focus now? So like recently I went to a workshop in San Antonio and a couple years back, my friend Sean Reedy said, you know, 
even here in San Antonio, which is three hours away from Houston, it's a small town. It also has lots of, you know, far reaching fingers, like kind of like Houston does. Um, and he's like, it's so far behind where Houston is as far as athletic training. Um, and so one of his goals was to help bring them up to the level that he was used to have athletic training and healthcare here in Houston into that small town because those athletes deserve that as well. So besides the connection in the community, which you guys are building, what are some of the goals of the Asia Pacific Athletic Trainer Society? Um, I'll, I'll answer this one. I, I think the biggest thing is continuing to advance and educate more people about and progressing the athletic training profession um, in Asia, wherever we are. Uh, I think there's some APADS members that have now actually gone to like South America. Um, but yeah, wherever we are, if they're internationally, is continue growing the athletic training profession. Um, through that is from like educating, doing clinics, um, working in the schools, helping out on those type of things. I think that's that's still our, our biggest goal. Um, I'm not sure if Eric wants to add anything else to that because um, you've seen, Eric's been able to see it kind of from the real beginning. And I'm um, this is my first year as one of the APATS coordinator with uh, Randon uh, Murasako and um, Jennifer Rizzo. Um, so, you know, I know that's our, our biggest um, goal, um, but that goal and mission was kind of started from Eric. Um, so I'm sure he has a little bit to add to that. Well, it wasn't just me, but, you know, Caleb, <laughs> who's been on your show before, was, was one of the, <clears throat> the original. There was three of us. Uh, Jared, who since moved on to uh, Europe. Caleb, still, you know, off in Taiwan. I, I've come back to the U.S. Um, so we've all kind of gone on to do different things. But um, yeah, as, as Nan said, you know, build, or as you said, build community. Nan said to continue grow, you know, help develop athletic training uh, wherever we can in, in China and Asia. But another big thing I've always felt was to be, to be a bridge for athletic trainers who, who wanted to, to come to China, because that's where the majority of our people are. And working with IWS back then, and you know, even Chinese Olympic Committee and other kind of contract gigs, there were so many athletic trainers coming in and out and everybody kind of had the same horror stories. Um, it was, it was a little bit easier for me because when I came in, like Cirque had a whole system of how to, you know, move people around. So I was able to experience that and get a template. And of course I had language skills. Uh, so it was a little bit easier for me to, to navigate, but you can imagine some of these, you know, people coming out, you're, you're a year out of grad school, you know, you're 22, 23 years old. Going to, you're flying on a 15 hour flight across the world and you get dropped off and you're just like, Ugh, like, what do I do now? You know? And then, so it's the same thing. It, it's, we always think coming into these jobs, right? Like, Oh, am I going to get along with the AD? Am I going to have issues with the coaches? You know, what is it? What's the medical care going to be like? But people always forget, like, it's just a little stuff of if anybody's ever relocated, even for university or something, it's always a little stuff. You know, how do I get an apartment? How do I open a bank account? uh how do i you know email like it's all this stuff like and then hr you know with the company how do i get a work visa you know there's this there's like what documents do you need and all that stuff and it's always just these little you know these details that that people don't don't ever really um consider and so that was one of the things that that we i really wanted to help try and help people with coming in was to 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 be able to to adjust you know to life because we had athletic trainers who came in 
couple weeks, a month or two, and then they were gone, man. Like, I mean, none can tell you. It's very common in the expat world, uh, whatever country you're in, they come in and just, you can't adapt. And then boom, you get on that plane and you, you move on to your next thing or you go home. So, so that's always the thing. And then as we grew and then, you know, with internet now, which is not what it was 10 years ago, um, you can, you can learn more, but, um, so we've kind of shifted onto other things, but I, I think just now, like for, cause you hear from students all the time, like, Oh, how do you go international? Like, uh, that'd be really cool, especially with the Olympics, right. You know, they're, they're hosting the second Olympics around in, in China. So, uh, people are really, really interested in, so we're kind of being that bridge as well. I think that's such a good point, Eric, I, you know, thinking about that, like I was very fortunate to have IWS to pretty much take care of me. Like I got there, someone met me on the, you know, at the airport, um, brought me to the place like where, I, you know, my housing and stuff like that and had a phone ready to go. So I was really fortunate for all that. And uh, but that's not the case, especially if, you know, a new school is looking at a role and, um, you know, they're not necessarily know what your role is and they come in and they're like, don't, you know, don't know how to help you adapt to the city life or um just the cult the huge cultural difference the food um the people you know so um you know and i think we have different people in different type of settings in asia who's part of our our um, society now and so it's nice to have that like if someone needs to reach out how to find us and i'm sure someone would be able to help um answer a few questions and help that person yeah, I mean, it's it's like like Non says, you know, for a lot of athletic trainers, if you work in a, a traditional, traditional sense, if you will, like competitive athletics, um, <clears throat> you, you, anytime you go on a, a road trip, you need a passport, man. Like you, you literally are crossing international borders. So people don't understand, like, there's no concept, especially, you know, with a lot of the, the, the concept of visas. Like when you come from a large country like the United States, I would just get on a plane and go, you know, get on a bus and it car and go um you know the one horror story that i heard from someone there was one person working for an organization and their team that they're working with got shipped off to central asia or somewhere to, to train for a little while and compete but their their employer had not settled properly um their visa into china so when the team went to this asian country train do whatever it is this athletic trainer was stuck in that country because they couldn't come back into china legally they were still, as I recall, like on a one-time entry tourist visa and whoever was hadn't processed their work permit, yada, yada, yada. And the team was like, hey, we got a schedule to keep. And they just, the hearsay, I mean, there's all hearsay, but they just got dumped in this third country, you know, and team moved on. So it's like things like that, you know, you, yeah. you, don't, you don't think about, you don't consider when like, you know, you didn't, if you're from California, hey, we got to go to a game in Iowa or something, you never think, hey, I'm going to be stuck in Iowa. Yeah, but, and, and, and also things like, uh, I, I can't even imagine all the times like um, things were taken out of my kit that I needed. Um, so get into Thailand and like my sprays, like this had been my tuning fork was taken. You know, it's just like things were just taken at the airport. Um, and you don't think about like, what are certain things that you can't bring in? You know, like you don't think about those things sometimes. You just think, okay, my kits has everything I need in there. 
Um, you know, some countries are very strict about like certain medication, even over counter medications that you bring in. Um, you know, it's things like that, that like, you know, when you have some this network in this community, you can talk about these type of things and you learn um, and yeah, what to do and prepare yourself if you can. Or even if you show up somewhere like, hey, how do I get a case of tape, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, so tell me a little bit more, because you, you're talking about building community, making the profession better um, for Asia Pacific athletic trainers. Is there like something on, on the website, the apads.org website that says, okay, if you're traveling to Tokyo, here's what you need. Here's the people you need to contact to get your medicines. Here's what you can and can't bring, things like that. I mean, do y'all have that, that type of resource there on the website or, or how does someone figure that out? The best way I think to do that would be to make contact with the group. Um, yeah, I think we have, um, we, I was just going to say, like, we ask that everyone, like, who's ever, anyone who's interested, even if it's, um, you know, someone who's just interested in coming over to Asia, sign up on the membership. It's not like you don't have to pay for it. It's a Google form. Put your name down. Tell us a little bit about why you're interested in coming out here. Um, and we respond back. We email them, get them in the group. Um, we have like uh, a WhatsApp group, a WeChat group. We do newsletters, um, you know, to, to kind of like showcase uh, a new member or members of the athletic train or the APAT society that we haven't met before. Um, and you know, it's when we kind of like have those conversations and I think once a week, at least, you know, or actually a couple of times a week, we're always like, Hey, how do you get a, you know, like, how do you get a, a Theragun or how do you get, and you know, like this, the, these, all these type of different things, like, how do you get an ultrasound machine? Do you have a, um, you know, a, a, a good orthopedic doctor or a podiatrist? So, um, you know, it's like having that type of. And network and, and chat room there. Um, uh, we do have a few resources, but nothing that's kind of like listed as, especially with like, it always kind of changes with, um, with like traveling and stuff like that. So nothing permanent where it's kind of like a checklist that's available on our website. Um, but yeah, definitely like trying to get them into joining our APATS membership. The, the resources really are in the people net, network because Asia, Asia is a, is a very fluid, you know, environment. Things are constantly changing, constantly changing, you know, especially in countries like China and, and Southeast Asia, where it's developing nations, their, their laws and their guidelines and resources are constantly shifting around. So by the time you set anything down, post it up, it's, it's probably going to be out of date to, to some degree. So really the best way is to get in contact with people on the ground there and uh, figure out things that way. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's similar to the practice here of contacting the athletic trainer at the high school that we're going to play the varsity football game. Hey, what's going to be provided? Are there going to be coolers? Is there going to be a taping table? Is there going to be a locker room? It's similar, but now you have to think about, can I bring in Tylenol? Can I bring in my scissors? Can I do all this other stuff? So um, <clears throat> you mentioned, they, we mentioned the APAS website. Um, and joining the membership and getting connected. So other than the connection and the community, what are some of the benefits for being a part of APATS? And then also, is that open to anyone? Is that specific only to uh, Asia Pacific athletic trainers? 
Um, so no, so it doesn't have to be members of, um, if you're, it doesn't have to be someone who's working in Asia. Um, we have people, um, like we mentioned, um, Lehigh Valley in Pennsylvania, their university got in touch with us and was working in the works of trying to get like, um, Lebanon Valley. Uh, oh, sorry, sorry. Yes. Um, and trying to get into work with our, like maybe send some of their students, um, to work with us in, in, in Shanghai, when we were travel, we're able to travel. Um, and we have some other members who are, were in Asia and gone back, um, but want to stay in touch to see in one day, one day they might come back. Um, so there's, so I think that that is kind of nice to have that open. Um, we, of course, would love to get in touch with as many athletic trainers who are in Asia um, and practicing, of course. Um, and so that's one big thing there. Um, anything to add to that, Eric? Uh, no. So for the general membership, uh, there's no there's no geographical requirement. Uh, for the leadership positions, we we do in our constitution require that you be based out of Asia or at least have have worked and lived in Asia, like professionally. Um, other than that, as Non said, no, just it's a it's a little sign up sheet. Feel you know, come on in. There's no um, there's no financial commitment at the moment, um, and it's just yeah it's really just just access to to information i guess that's what it is it's, it's what it's what kind of what what where we're really offering is just access to, to information um about various things out you know athletic training out out in asia and and our uh in our environment <clears throat> And we're trying to share, and we're trying to change and share a lot more of what's going on with the athletic trainers in in um, as part of APATS um, through our social media. So feel free to follow us on um, on Instagram and Facebook um, from APATS. Um, we do, you know, post things about what's going on. Um, we have our, we're looking for presenters this year um, for our virtual conference in July. Um, and so, you know, it doesn't have to be someone from Asia and, and not necessarily has to be an athletic trainer. You know, we've had counselors, we've had doctors, um, as Eric mentioned in our previous, like when we were in person, those conferences, um, we had like podiatrists, um, you know, doing 3D scanning and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, so I think that it doesn't have to be just in Asia. We're happy to meet people who are considering coming um, overseas or going internationally in general. Um, I think uh, at the beginning of COVID, um, I did a news article with NETA and, you know, a couple people reached out to me uh, and emailed me through there. Um, and I thought, oh, that's nice, but like, it'd be nice to maybe for the other people who may be not reading newsletter, but are still thinking about it. Um, maybe they listen to the podcast here, they are on social media. So any of those different ways, um, feel free to reach out to us. Um, you know, we definitely want to hear from from them and we're always like encouraging anybody even if they have that little tiny thought of like going overseas um we'll most likely try to like sell it and tell them like go for it it's it's an awesome experience you know so we did a, a series with the the world federation of athletic training and therapy so i know you mentioned that the 
WFAT conference there. Uh, and that's another great resource because we did a series with them talking about being in a different country. Uh, and it's definitely interesting to just to see the differences. You know, one of the big things that I've been doing recently is blood flow restriction. And <clears throat> it's crazy to me how that's going to become our new normal for recovery from injury. And so I'm curious, is there anything that you feel like in Asia they do better as far as treating or they're more advanced in as far as rehab than we do here in the States? Oh, there's so many. Um, Eric, I'm sure you've probably seen more in clinic because I, I always see, because I work in, in a school, so I kind of always see the aftermath of it. Um, and some of them, it's quite, it's quite sweet because some of the students come in a little embarrassed um, or they feel like they might get in trouble when they come in, they explain, they're like, like they think that I might not understand what's going on. Um, you know, they come in with these big red blotches on their skin or their their skin is like this scrape red um, or it's kind of like a, a yellowish color and it's because they've just done traditional Chinese medicine. Um, I find with my students, um, especially in the secondary or in high school, um, a lot of them do something called like tita, which is really just, they go to see like a bone doctor, a traditional medicine bone doctor, and they get some medicine and they bandage it. Um, or they do acupuncture, that's, that's still, that's massive here with my students. Um, and then lastly, cupping, um, like with the heat and stuff and on their back to loosen up. Um, I'd say in my school, those are the three type of most popular traditional Chinese medicine that I see with my students. Yeah. Um, so over the years, to, it seems like it's, it's access to what or exposure of what uh, patients or, or as practitioners you get access to. Now, if you think about, as Nan was saying, over the last 10, 12, 15 years, um, traditional Asian medicine, right? <clears throat> Big three, acupuncture, cupping, scraping. Variations of all that stuff have become kind of standard practice in Western sports medicine, physio, athletic training, via cupping, dry needling, uh, IASTM, if I get that correct. You know, mm -hmm. some variations of, of that stuff. Um, and China, you know, Asian people doing that for, for a thousand years or whatever, it's not, it's not a big thing. So for me, when I was working out there, really what it is, is, is just a, a exposure. And then because, let's say, after the training or sports performance, it's, it's a um, quote-unquote relatively new thing in, in Asia that they're trying to, or China, that they're trying to pursue, they're open to, to everything. They're, they're trying to learn and, and, and bring in instructors from you know, Australia, New Zealand, Europe, America, Canada, da-da-da-da. Whereas I felt like, for me, starting in my career, a very classical kind of West Coast, California athletic trainer, you know, kind of educational program. And all of a sudden you go out there and I was working with Cirque, I'm working with, with PTs from Australia, ATs from Canada. And it's just like, everybody has a different perspective. And then that, that's kind of like for us in the expat, that was kind of the, the exposure as, as a whole for a practitioner. So, uh, even working with TCM people who come from not necessarily Asia, you know, so I think that's, that's what it was, just the exposure, the end, the, the advantage of being open-minded, whereas when you're in a closed section uh, in, say, like in the United States, you could potentially have like blinders on and, and you don't 
necessarily see a lot of, or you may just not have the exposure, you know, opportunity to, to see a lot of other things. But when you're in the thick in the middle of it and say you have a patient and actually come in and say, you know, oh, what, what's all this? Oh, well, I had some acupuncture done and it helped. You're like, oh, okay. All right. Sports and sports medicine. The greatest thing is however we may feel about a certain thing, you can't argue results. Like it works. If it works, something happened. And then that's worth looking into however, you know, whatever preconceptions we may have. So it's just exposure to, to a lot of different things. The opportunity to, to view and then to, to see results was, uh, I think, something that was very, very uh, mind-opening for me. The humility or open-mindedness is, is definitely something that I can yeah. learn and I can take away from it. And that, again, I think I've said it multiple times, the, the biggest thing that I've taken away from the podcast through the years is that other people do things differently and that's okay. Um, mm -hmm. At the very beginning, I had a chiropractor on and you know, basically I wanted to tell him, well, you don't know what you're doing kind of thing. But then mm -hmm. at the end of it, like he's like, if the patient walks out and feels better and has a plan for what they're doing to get better, then that's what we want, right? And, and that's kind of something that like, they need to know, yes, I'm getting better or what we're gonna do if I'm not. And then what's the plan for continued progress? And mm -hmm. I'm like, that, I wanted to tell them that athletic trainers are better than chiropractors, but essentially I learned, I took more away from the conversation than, than he did. And from there, it's just been a matter of, okay, well, let's see what else I can learn. So, um, yeah, because the goal is always to help, you know, your, your patient, or your athlete, whoever you're working with. I said, patients ask me all the time, um, which one's better and, you know, Asian medicine or, or Western medicine. And my philosophy always was whichever one works for you, you know, because I, I had people who came in for me, you know, for a Western, you know, therapy perspective because they had tried, you know, various Asian medicine didn't work. And so, you know, we work with them and hey, it got better. Other times, you know, because of colleagues and stuff that I knew, um, I, I would get stuck with cases. I'm like, this is, this is not working. Right, let, let's, give, let's get a different set of eyes. Let's get a different perspective and specialty. And you send them off to, 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 to some sort of, you know, Chinese medicine, Asian practitioner, and hey, they get better. All right. So for me as an athletic trainer, I think that it's still that concept of working with a team, right? We, we come from, from team activity. We're used to, to referring out to, to specialists. And why, why is, you know, TCM any different? It, it, it's not, you know, chiropractor, they have their own specialty. They have their own way of looking at things. And ultimately the goal is to, to get your patient better. Absolutely. Like you, like you said here in your notes to continue to grow the profession. So you mentioned the website, apats.org, facebook.com slash A-P-A-T-S society. So it's not like S and then society, it's APAT society. So it's athletic, Asian Pacific Athletic Trainer Society with everything but society shortened for both Facebook and Instagram. So if you want to reach out, connect with them there, it's a great way to just learn. Or it'd be really cool to have Nan or Eric or one of the APATS athletic trainers as a guest speaker, either in your high school sports medicine class and your collegiate or do, I think you said, I can't remember the name, but the Pennsylvania university that sent students over there to learn again, bridging the gap, opening up those conversations, helping each 
population see the benefit of working together. So reach out to APAT Society. You know, it'd be a super cool field trip for high school, but I don't know that we can, can get a trip to China <laughs> approved, especially not at this time. But, <laughs> but APAT.org or look for that on the APAT Society on Facebook or Instagram. Um, yeah. Nan, I, I appreciate the email that you sent where you said you've been, you know, listening for years and you mentioned it earlier. Um, and just recently I've been talking to my coworker, Sophia, a lot. I was like, you know, is this something that I'm going to continue doing? Like I'm, I'm, the podcast is a lot of work and I'm tired and, you know, I've got five kids at home, two of them are foster. And it's like, I, I just, I'm tired. And then just at that time, that's when you email and say, Hey, you know, I've really appreciated it. It's really helped me and over the, the years. And so. Thank you. Thank you for sending the email. I do this work for you and also for me to help me grow. But at some point you're just like, why am I doing it? And then thank you for the reminder. Oh, no. Thank you so much for having us. And I was like, when I heard, I was like, I'm going to get to speak him and probably see him. I was like, it's kind of like meeting a star a little bit. (laughs) I was like, I've been listening to his voice every morning. And um, I was was so excited. Um, And I love hearing about your your students, you know, um, your stories with your students, um, because sometimes I can relate. And I love hearing about your family and the stuff that you go through as an athletic trainer with your family as well. And uh, I think what you do is amazing. So thank you very much. Thank you. Eric, thanks for reaching out, connecting us, uh, and all the work that you're doing to help promote APATS. Yeah. And also, if you just a little, you know, shout out, if you ever want to meet us live, um, as with everybody else, NATA, whenever NATA conference comes back around again, we do try and set up a little social, a little meeting, just like, you know, the thousands of other groups out there. So if you're interested, you know, come come look for us on the, the bulletin board. There'll be announcements. All right, there you go. So if you can't travel to Canada or Asia for their person in, in-person conference, then maybe you can meet up with the ones that travel to NATA here in the <clears> States. So look for that. Well, and I'm this sure year the, the APAS conference will be virtual again. So anybody can, can come see us. And uh, actually, if you're interested on, on the website, sorry to cut you off, but uh, we have all of our old uh, lecture series and stuff on there too, if people are interested. Very good. So again, that's apats.org, A-P-A-T-S dot O-R-G. So for Nan, Eric, Jeremy, the Sports Medicine Broadcast, uh, check them out. And again, if you're, there's still a lot of virtual learning, um, but one of my partners is physicaltherapy.com. So if you go to physicaltherapy.com slash one free course, you can get started there, get you one free CEU. I know we just finished the reporting period for, NA, for the BOC, so... there's you know a three or four or whatever it is our course that can get you started uh go from there and then check out you know join join the apats and get you some ceus through their conference or anything like that this is sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash apats again for asia pacific athletic training society and again for jeremy eric nan and athletic trainer the asia pacific athletic training society that is a wrap thanks Oh, I got to hear and see you do the live recording of you saying that.